the 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kvec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 0111911. Thank you, sir. I start this hour with a public apology. It also went out on the KVC uh, Daily Update. Uh, Susan Funk and I had coordinated a visit for her today, and we agreed that she was going to come in today, but somehow I had a senior Joe Biden, Donald Trump moment, and I wrote her in the book yesterday. So, of course, when I went to see her, she wasn't there because she wasn't going to come until today. So I want to clear that that's on me and not on her. So I appreciate the fact that she's here now. Susan, nice to see you. Great to see you, Dave. Let's try that again. Nice to see you. Great to see you, Dave. Thanks for coming in. How are you feeling? Doing, doing great. Congratulations Thanks. on the Tribune endorsement. That might be a big, must be a big boost for you. I'm really pleased to get that endorsement. So, a lot to talk about. Let's start by having you take a minute and just on a personal level, who are you? Remind folks of Susan Funk. So, I am a business owner, a mother, and a council member up in Atascadero. And I am running for 5th District County Supervisor. How long have you been on City Council? Five years. What's your uh, website, please? Funkforsloco.com. Perhaps the most important question I'm going to ask you is to remind folks what exactly District 5 is now. Because I don't know about you or Craig, but I'm, I'm confused about what supervisors in what district. And it's a mess. So who gets to vote in this election? Okay. So this is in the... District 5 map that was, we essentially reverted to the same map that, that Debbie Arnold was elected in uh, for the last about 12 years. Um, and it goes from San Luis Obispo, about Marsh Street up, so the areas around Cal Poly and areas around the San Luis High. Uh, goes up the 101, includes Santa Margarita, um, all of Atascadero, um, and then it Starts going east of Templeton on El Pomar Road, up Union Springs Road, slips up and grabs Ground Squirrel Hollow, and then it heads out uh, east in basically parallel lines from the, the those points uh, to the Kern County line. So Creston, Pozo, California Valley, and the Crizzo Plain National Monument are all part of District 5. I also stress, I really stress this, this election is going to be decided in March. There's no runoff doesn't go into November. It's either you or your challenger. One of you is going to be elected. So people can vote Mm -hmm. now. I got my ballot in the mail. Not I can't vote in your district. But people need to vote in March for whoever they're going to vote for. They got to get out and vote. What do you think? Are you expecting a big turnout? I'm hoping that we'll have a decent turnout. It's always harder in in primary elections in March because voters um, aren't really expecting a March election. But this is something yeah. we do in presidential years in in the in California so that we have some say in presidential elections, the whole primary moves from June to March. Uh, it will be critically important that people exercise their right to vote. Grab that ballot and send it in. Send it in early and then we won't be calling you to ask you if you've sent it in yet. But what's at stake, Susan? What's at stake in this District 5 election as far as you're concerned? What's really at stake in this election, uh, in the future of our county, is whether we've got somebody who will uh, be straight with voters and move us forward as a community 
uh, move actively to get problems solved. Um, and that's something um, that I have worked very hard to bring people together to solve problems in this county, including working on the, the serious issue of homelessness. We need that same kind of inclusive work on housing, on water policy, um, and we need to maintain our roads and our public safety. So those are the things that I'm emphasizing. And I don't know you well, but uh, we've chatted a few times before. I certainly get the impression that you're different on many positions from the incumbent. Yes. So I want to I want to want you to talk about that. I don't want you to talk about the incumbent so much, but you represent a different kind of District 5 supervisor, don't you? In terms of your philosophy and how you approach certain issues? Yeah. Well, part of it is uh, is a difference that uh, we have seen the County Board of Supervisors for a number of years avoiding taking action on issues and being slow to deal with things uh, because sometimes that work is difficult or unpleasant. Um, and at the same time, casting aspersions on the quality of our elections and doing that in ways that have broken faith with voters about how we organize our county government. Yeah. And I'm really passionately committed to government of the people, by the people and for the people. Well, you mentioned the voting integrity just last week. The incumbent in your district raised issues about the Dominion voting machines. Comment on that, please. Uh, you, I mean, meaning, do you have any concerns about our local voting process? I have no concerns about our local proce- voting process precisely because it has been well demonstrated to be accurate. We've gotten two big recounts of over 50,000 votes, and, the, uh, and not one single vote changed, and one additional ballot was found that had two postmarks that would be able to, to do it. That's not a machine issue. This is... And a process with that level of accuracy is very high. Plus, our clerk recorder's office takes steps to ensure that the counts are going to be accurate before the election. And then after the election, they run a a statistical or a sample that includes um, every single race on the ballot to make sure that indeed the count was accurate against a sample that's tested. Susan Funk on this broadcast. We'll welcome your phone calls and text messages in a little bit, but let's give the candidate a chance to be heard. Talk a little bit about what you would point to with your record on the Tascadero City Council. What would you get done? What have you gotten done? What would you point to? We've gotten a lot of great things done for Tascadero. In particular, um, we were able to get better funding for our public safety uh, functions, and that's something I fought really hard for. Both my opponent and I were a part of putting that measure on the ballot. But after it was on the ballot, you know, it's my name that's not hers that is on the uh, statement in the the ballot uh, information defending that proposition, telling people why it is that we needed that money. And, And I recorded videos and I went out and talked with people talking about how stretched our police were and how we had 15 year old fire trucks and no money to replace them. And we really needed our voters to step up and be with us to make that happen. I'm also proud of the way in which we then have implemented that to improve services, including getting a wide range of people to comment. And when we started doing public outreach for that, I reached out to everyone who had contacted me on an issue of any kind from any political party, whether they liked me or not, didn't like my position or not, to get them, if they were from a Tascadero, ask them to 
to be part of the discussion about how we use that Measure D20 money. And I also invited people whose voices we didn't hear from as much to, you know, talk with me about that and just just get comfortable talking about those issues. And one of the things that emerged from all that was a big discussion for the first time about mental health and policing and mental health and homelessness and how that interfaces with policing. And two things happened. We added in mental health expertise to our police department and created a new team to do outreach with our unhoused community. And we also put in mental health supports for the police so that they can be, uh, can be safe and comfortable themselves because our police were really stressed. And we did it for the fire department, too. And they really like that peer support application that our city provided to them. Is that something that can be replicated on a countywide basis? Certainly. And another thing that I've done that has been, is being replicated on a countywide basis now was, again, in pub, the public safety arena, was making sure that we looked at data about how the risks of fire were changing. Now, for me, I'm aware of how climate science is, is you know, with, as we have climate change, we have changing risks in a lot of different areas, more extreme weather events, more drought, um, and things that we need to plan for. Um, but whether you attributed that to climate change or not, it was important that we look at data about how those risks had changed and plan for the future fire, not the last one. Well, it's interesting that you bring that up because not that today's editorial, but a recent article in the Tribune praised you for thinking of a way to focus on climate change without calling it climate change. Is that an accurate interpretation? Yeah. Well, I wanted us to look at if it, how climate change was affecting our community. But I was on a, a uh, council where the mayor, who I'm now running against for supervisor, um, had taken a position of not believing in climate change and had been part of line item deleting every single reference to climate science from our city's climate action policy. So I chose to use language that just vaguely talked about weather patterns uh, so that I wouldn't, you know, poke that particular tiger and we could find a way to get to agreement. All right. It's, yeah, well, and that's what, helpful. Yeah, so we got there, we got that and, and uh, chose an approach that married uh, traffic science, uh, fire science and traffic engineering. And it completely changed Atascadero's emergency response plans and is so valuable that it's been adopted county worried. So when you see that know your zone... This is what we were doing. All right. Uh, Susan Funk is here, candidate for District 5 County Supervisor. This race is going to be decided in March again. Uh, Susan, what's your website? Funkforsloco.com. You need money. You need voters. You need support, Mm -hmm. volunteers, all that stuff. You can get involved through the website. Absolutely. All right. We'll come back and chat some more. Your phone calls. San Luis City Manager Derek Johnson is going to join us on uh, Monday. Jack Hardy on Tuesday. Michelle Doster on Tuesday. We are busy. All we need is you. Weekday afternoons from 3.05 to 7 o'clock right here on KVEC. I'm Dave Congleton in conversation with Susan Funk, currently a member of the Atascadero City Council. She is running to replace Debbie Arnold as District 5 County Supervisor. We stress that this election is taking place in March Get out there and vote. Whoever you're going to vote for, just vote. We'll take phone calls here in a little bit. 
Uh, any endorsements you want to mention, Susan? Sure. Um, I'm proud proud to uh, be endorsed by the Planned Parenthood Central Coast Action Fund, uh, by Indivisibles Rapid Response Team locally, a lot of great volunteers, by the uh, Slow County Democratic Party, uh, by Congressman Salud Carbajal, um, three current county supervisors, and lots of great people. And as we mentioned earlier, you got the Tribune endorsement today. Yes, got the Tribune endorsement today. Uh, Cal Fire retired Chief Robert Lewin, lots of other Folks. We just had uh, two relatively younger people here in the previous hour, very much concerned about the development of the Dana Reserve project. And I'm not sure if you're able to take a position on that, but we have this debate ongoing between trees and homes. How do we balance that? So I rather than taking a specific position, because as a supervisor right. or as a council member, you have to be unbiased open. Right. Gotcha. and open to that. Right. Uh, but the principles of this are clear. We need to be able to do development that addresses housing needs in our community without mowing over all the open space in the world and just putting up a lot more big houses that then create the need for services by people with, that live in smaller homes that we don't have. Yeah. So we need a balance of, of housing solutions. We need um, our housing to be uh, be located in areas where it can be supported with infrastructure development. We need to preserve some of our important natural resources as we do that so that we, we don't destroy the place that we love by loving it so much. Adam Verdon uh, was here earlier in the week, uh, South County businessman, and somewhere down the road, I think he's going to run for supervisor. His argument was, uh, trees are nice, but I need houses. I need housing for my staff. I need housing for my employees. So let me come at this a different way, council member. Is there a housing shortage in this county? Do we need more affordable housing? Absolutely, yes. Okay. How do we get that? Okay. We get that by a combination of things. We need more opportunities to zone for and support infrastructure for what's called missing middle housing, duplexes, condos, smaller homes. We need to do projects like one we've done in Atascadero where we have a set of reasonably tiny homes clustered together. Each one is on its own individual lot. So you can own that, but they're clustered together in a community around central supports and a community building. And you create a nice little neighborhood there with and create an ownership opportunity so folks like a new incoming Cal Poly assistant professor is living there. You know, the, those are folks we need. And if we don't have places for workers to live, the jobs don't stay here. Right. So we've got to do that. And that's different than what the home builder's favorite approach, which is to have a big flat space and plow it down and put lots of big homes on it. Because there's an endless supply of people from the Bay Area or Los Angeles that have um, a lot of cash coming out of their homes that would be happy to scoop up those homes. How about more mobile home park communities? I'd like to see more of that. I also want to see that happen either as co-ops or publicly owned because there's a dynamic with mobile homes that are corporately owned that's really risky for the residents right now. 
where it's possible for investors to come in, scoop up a mobile home park, jack up the space rents so that the people who have their homes can't afford to live there anymore. But mobile homes aren't actually all that mobile. And so you have people that can't afford to move the mobile home that they own that they thought was their security um, because the space rent is getting jacked up so much. I don't want to have more people play into that situation, but clearly mobile homes are an opportunity area. You are chair of the HSOC, and there's a five-year plan to deal with homelessness. Where are we in that five-year plan, and what progress are we making? We are 18 months into that five-year plan, um, and we are making progress, um, I mean, never as fast as I want, (laughs) but we are definitely making progress. One key thing is that we've needed to set up a system where we could have both connection and accountability in the system, and we did not have the data or the infrastructure to do that. So that was an early piece, and... Uh, At the beginning of March, 10 agencies locally are going to get connected together by the same homeless information system for the very first time, a system with many more capabilities like big counties use to help us give prioritization to the people with the greatest needs for the housing that's available, to get people into housing faster who are out there on the streets, um, and to use money more efficiently. Ultimately, we'll be able to use that to measure the the success and cost-effectiveness of various approaches with different groups. All right. I'm at the two-minute mark with Susan Funk. What about the mess out at Oklahoma Avenue? How how could we avoid that again? Well, there are some really key things to learn from that. It was supposed to be a three-month pilot project, um, and it's obviously gone on longer. But we've learned a lot, as long as we take those lessons seriously. That includes always integrate services with any kind of shelter from the get-go, no matter even if it's a parking lot. Um, And make sure that expectations are clear from the potential residents um, and the neighbors in the community. We also have to think about locating uh, those kinds of facilities um, closer to the services that they need so that the service providers can get there. And see, you couldn't even get electricity to that site. Uh, in uh, at a reasonable cost. So when people were bringing RVs there, then they were running generators and, and creating challenges there for the community because there was never a plan for that to be a long-term, uh, you know, live here forever within your RV type and, of site. And yet there are people who want to stay there. Right. Yeah. And that points to our need to do something for that small segment of the community that is currently essentially living in an RV and is afraid not to. Some, some of our folks with serious mental illness who have found that if they're in housing, that eventually if they go off their meds or have a bad time, that they have to leave that housing and move somewhere else. They wear out their welcome, um, are afraid to let go of an RV because that's something that they can move from place to place um, and make sure that they still have some kind of shelter. All right, we are in conversation with uh, Susan Funk, currently a member of the Atascadero City Council, also currently a candidate for county supervisor, running in the March 5th election to replace the incumbent Debbie Arnold. Off we go. We've got news, traffic, weather. We've got phone calls and text messages coming our way. This is Hometown Radio.
Thanks, sir. Susan Funk is on this broadcast. She's candidate for District 5 County Supervisor. The election's in March. We just heard a spot from uh, her opponent, and that's just the way people buy spots. The computer decides we're not involved in that, but it's only fair to give the candidate in the studio a chance to respond to the spot we just heard. So feel free to respond. So I want to respond to that attack ad from the Moreno campaign because uh, it completely misrepresents my own record, and um, and the can't my, the candidate I'm running against knows perfectly well that I voted with her to support more funding for our police, and went out ahead of her and actively advocated for that funding with the community, including. Hearing people who came to us saying that less money should be spent on police and convincing them that in a Tascadero, more money needed to be spent on police and public safety. I also want to mention that um, for a number of years, Heather Moreno was on the council and I was not. And in all that time, our public safety funding deteriorated and our police got stretched thinner and thinner and thinner as population grew and police funding did not. And in all that time, my opponent did nothing to help our police get better funding. The two of us together both voted to put more funding on uh, for our police on the ballot. And I will never apologize for seeking the funding that our public safety agencies need. All right. Uh, we'll take your phone calls, 805-543-8830. I'm going to ask you to ask a question, and I'll give you a follow-up. Fair enough. Let's start with Mark in San Luis. Hey, Mark. Hi. Hi. Um, your fellow progressives uh, voted to lower the threshold so they could raise taxes on people. We have a a billion-dollar county deficit, and we've given out huge pay raises to from administrators, especially the administrators. How would you handle that, and what future taxes are you willing to give to the citizens of the county? I think we're getting a few things confused there. Uh, the threshold issue is something that the voters of California determine, um, and it is uh, the threshold was changed uh Almost a quarter a century ago, to but, but a lower threshold. Mark, hang on. Recently. Mark, hang on. I'll come back to you. Go well, ahead, Susan. So the threshold was lowered about a quarter a century ago for school bond measures. Some of them pass, some of them don't. But as we know, all notice, Prop 13 is alive and well. I support Prop 13. Mark it keeps people in their homes. Mark, well, you did a good job of winning my point. Is the the supervisors voted to support the lowering the threshold? We have a billion dollars deficit in a in a retirement fund. I just want to know how you would address that. I mean, do you support lowering the threshold? Right. I whether the, I have exactly as much power to lower that threshold as every single yeah, uh, registered you, voter. But listening. are you in favor of lowering? And, and I and I think it can be. It can be lowered or whether it's done or not, it's not going to break Prop 13. But are you in favor of lowering it? I would allow it to be lowered for for potentially another indication, but it's not for major support of um, that's not going to be the solution to the county budget, which is a different question. All right, Mark. This is a relatively um, 
uh, small issue, and there's a fear-mongering campaign going on right now um, that, Address that. that uh, is getting people to think that if, you, if the threshold is changed by the voters to the, for a couple of other purposes, the way it was changed for school bonds 25 years ago, that somehow that's going to cause people's homes to get revaluated at much higher rates and tax them out of their homes. And it's just not true. All right. I'll come back to you one last time, Mark. No, I, I think the other means I'm I'm up for taxes on on people and on, on and other forms of taxes on the citizens. I and I think you're saying I support that, but you're being very careful so you can maintain Prop 13 so you don't lose the election. Um, and so anyway, I, hey, I, I want to maintain Prop 13 answer. so we don't lose Prop 13 and people don't lose their homes. All right, Mark. Thank you. Here is Jeff in Atascadero. Hey, Jeff. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. So I've seen Susan in action at the city council meetings for a long time, um, and I have a couple of concerns, and maybe Susan can clarify them. Um, she has brought up the thought process of a vacancy tax on commercial uh, property that's vacant. That's concerning. And the second one is she also has said that she would, for the unhoused folks and how we pay for the program, um, she mentioned that she would cut the law enforcement budget. Now, in the Tascadero, she was supportive of uh, that particular measure, but countywide, she has said that she would cut the uh, sheriff's budget, and that's very concerning. Is that true? No, that's not true. I have not said that I would sh- cut the sheriff's budget. The sheriff's budget is going to be the largest piece of the of the county budget. It's the 24-7 service, and... and important and i've not said said i'm going to cut it when did she allegedly say this jeff she said that on the night that she did the presentation about a year and a half ago for the new homeless um or housing uh and homeless uh a committee that she had i believe either assisted chair or chaired um task force to get that going that was stated that night it is on public record. We'll go back and listen to it, but I think you'll find that I, I recognize that if we take serious action to reduce the number one call for police and sheriff's response, that we might save a little bit of money occasionally on overtime in that service because of the the homelessness places a huge burden on our law enforcement agencies. Uh, I was just talking with the outreach team at Atascadero. Telling me, they told me about one person that got housed from their work that had generated 250 police calls in the course of a year. Mm. So it, it's a big help to our functioning of our agencies and, and a, a small, tiny bit on the overtime, maybe, uh, to make sure that we can spend their, our public safety people doing the work that really helps the community and not having to be chasing after unhoused folks all the time. What else, Jeff? I want to uh, come back like to her that. to respond yeah. to the vacancy tax right. that she had brought up about five years ago. Okay. So, yeah, at this point, you know, five years ago, um, I was willing to consider a variety of financial incentives to help a small number of, of properties that were stuck in the middle of a Tascadero um, like one of like the winter's garage which now finally is quit being a, a, a haven for rats and is now being rebuilt as a great location for for local businesses 
Um, we have a couple of other properties with which Mr. Oslin is uh, uh, familiar um, in the Colony Square area where we have absentee owners who don't want to necessarily maintain them and will leave them as dirt and mud uh, and, don't, and won't even let other things happen in that space. And I simply think it's useful to consider uh, financial incentives to people who leave blighted properties that diminish the values of the properties around them. Jeff? I appreciate that answer um, being answered. I'm always concerned, though, when we talk about commercial properties being taxed. I understand if it's large corporations like Kmart or something that's vacant, I think that's sickening. But if it's somebody like you or I or even Susan that would have a commercial property, um, sometimes you can't find tenants. And um, I don't think the intent is necessarily to leave those vacant. So that's very concerning. Right, and and recognize that I was you know looking even then at something very targeted to you know a few properties that were not being well maintained and were owned by people who do not live in a Tascadero or anywhere close and do not give a hoot about our community and those are the kind of investors that if we can't you know if twenty five proposals to do something great with that property don't interest them. And the great investment, the great work of our development agency doesn't interest them, then maybe to find some incentive to at least keep the property up. All right, Jeff, thank helpful. you. Appreciate the call. 805-543-8830. for Susan Funk, who is running for 5th District County Supervisor. Jack is with us on KVEC. Hi, Jack. Dave. Jack. Um, to your guest. How could you call Oklahoma, the whole Oklahoma Avenue situation anything less than a disaster? Well, I, um, it's it's been a very challenged uh, property, but we it's a disaster if we do nothing. It was a disaster before there was a disaster before that was done um, of RVs and vehicles that were all over. Los Osos and Oceano, and and people in those communities were desperate for relief from the impact of that. Uh, this was tried, and we learned a great deal from it. Um, and now we need to move on to the things that are are working more successfully, like the Cabins for Change program at Grover Beach, which is running a seventy to eighty percent success rate in placing people into permanent housing, and their average. A person has been homeless for two years before they get there, um, and almost half of them have some kind of disability. Hmm. Jack? So how is it that the county oversees that when it's the local municipalities or the local uh, towns within the county that actually execute it? What's the county's role in preventing another disaster like Oklahoma Avenue, well, they, the county's role as opposed to the fine folks in Grover. That's a fair, that's a fair mm-hmm. question. Yeah. So the the Oklahoma Avenue actually points to something that uh, it was done before we had the new countywide strategic plan that I of which I led the development, and it points to the need for something that we did in that plan. The county didn't have anybody working at the county to do anything but essentially process and report on the grants. They didn't have anybody to actually work on homelessness uh, strategically. And they have now created a division 
which is now part of the Adult and Homeless Branch, uh, to do that work. And now we have people at the county who can actually put the deals together. A facility like Cabins for Change requires a teamwork approach with a developer, a service provider, a location, uh, a style of housing, and a source of funding. That five-part deal has to be put together carefully, and now the county has people who can work on that. Do you and we need that. Do you and your opponent agree on that, or is there a difference of opinion on that? Do you know? Um, my opponent is not as knowledgeable about the particulars of how any of this stuff works. Um, I have been working in this um, passionately behind the scenes because we desperately needed to do something and need need to keep moving forward and learn from the challenges with Oklahoma and uh, and create the assets we need to get people out of the creeks and off the streets and into housing where they can be the neighbors we want them to be. Jack, thanks very much for the call. Susan Funk on this broadcast running for supervisor 805-543-8830 is the number. Here's Greg on KVEC. Hi, Greg. Good evening, Dave. Good hey, evening, Susan. Hi. I, I'm sorry, I stepped away from the from the uh, radio for a little bit, uh, just a few minutes. Have you spoken, has, has Susan spoken to the Dana Reserve question? Uh, she, as, as she made, I don't want to put words in your mouth, no. Susan, but it's me, an issue that comes before the board. Yeah, let me talk about it a, uh, a little bit more in principle, because the, the challenge there is the piece of home building that's really profitable for the home builders is to have big open spaces and put lots of big houses on them. And there's right. a big market for that, and the realtors love it because there's lots to sell. Um, and it leaves us in a position where our community does not have the mix of housing that we need. House size has been getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and household size has been getting smaller and smaller. And so a lot of people are desperate to be able to find something. Businesses are de- desperate to find workers. And we need a better mix of housing, and we need to do that in ways that are thoughtful to the natural environment. Um, and and I've seen the Dana Reserve project certainly improve with the changes that the Planning Commission recommended. There are still um, open questions about uh, that project um, and whether or not – certainly there are other places that housing can be developed that would be better for our community. Greg. Well, I've um – you know, I don't think, as the people that were on earlier uh, on Dave's show today mentioned, that I don't think it's it's uh, against development on that particular in that particular area. It's just the size and the scope and the damage that the proposal, as it stands, would do. And um, I think that's that's really what the the community is concerned about. And I'm just wondering how you know how you would feel about uh, handling. A proposal that has gone as far as this one has at this point, um, letting the community intervene at some at some point to really try to get some responsibility into the project. Well, one of the things that I've done, I chair a Tascadero's Design Review Committee, which takes the first look in a Tascadero at these kinds of projects, and oftentimes uh, we have a lot of people who are interested in a project, and I've you know, chaired a you know, three and a half hour meeting looking at a project. And looking and making sure that every single question that people raise gets answered, the doubts and concerns people have gets addressed in some fashion, uh, whether that is uh, through uh, reassurances or conditions or changes in the project, you know th- the things that we can recommend. And I find when we really engage the community together that 
we make better decisions as public officials about these projects. And the projects themselves get better. Greg, thanks for the call. Susan Funk on this broadcast. Quick break. We'll come back for a final segment. We're live. We're local. We're hometown radio. Susan Funk is on this broadcast. Susan, what's your website for your supervisor campaign? Funkforslowco.com. Here is John on KVEC. Hi, John. Hi, I've got a quick question. Sure. So this issue of affordable housing keeps coming up, and yet nobody will put a hard number on what an affordable house is. That is, a one-bedroom, a rental unit, a two-bedroom standalone house, a three-bedroom standalone house. Nobody puts a hard number on it. If I'm a developer and I want to develop a piece of property, say put a triplex on it and have one of them be affordable, how much rent can I get for that one-bedroom affordable unit? So the standard de- definition on a- affordability has to do with uh, 30% of the area median income. Um, so it would depend if it's a larger unit, then that's going to be occupied by a bigger family, and that would be um, a higher number than, say, a studio apartment. Okay, which would well, be give me the high and low number. Um, I can't quote you that uh, off the top of my head, but uh, that... Well, see, but here again, everybody keeps tap dancing around us, and nobody puts a hard number on it. Uh, It's available on the county website, and we can, if you... I'm sorry, ma'am, but if you're running for the office, I would think you would have a number. Well, here, here, I mean... John, people can call in on all sorts of topics with all due respect, and, well, do you have the number here? Do you have the number there? It's not... You know. <laughs> well, I just want to say that because I keep hearing how expensive it is to live here in San Luis Obispo. It is. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you looked at the prices down in L.A.? That's yeah. why we live up here. Right. No, 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 no. <laughs> have you looked at the prices in L.A. around Nickerson Gardens? Not around Dickerson Gardens, no. but... I'll take a look at them. Okay. I, would I think for... you'll be shocked when you see that $500,000 John... is not... I would invite you, John, to go to funkforslowco.com and drop me a note about that, and we'll get back to you and give you a link to the to the data that you're looking for, That's because we want you to have the information that you need. John, I appreciate the call. So let me bring this up, if I may, please. We've got a couple of minutes left. I've got like six people reached out to me. I don't think any of them support you. And they're concerned because apparently there is a postcard going out with a handwritten message and this one went to Debbie Arnold's husband. Hi, Stephen. Please vote for Democrat Susan Funk for county supervisor. Um, she makes sure local government serves the people, not special interests like big developers. Thank you. And it's signed Debbie. No last name. It's paid for by Funk for county supervisor. And these people are concerned because they think you're trying to imply that the Debbie is Debbie Arnold. Uh, Not a chance. I am blessed in my campaign to have hundreds of volunteers, and we are making a serious effort to reach out to every single voter that we haven't been able to reach on foot or by phone. And so the other way we have to get a personal touch, not just digital ads that are playing out there, but personal, are handwritten postcards from our volunteers. And so one this of is them, not Debbie Arnold? No, one of our volunteers is named Debbie. Do you know which one? And you have, have a last name? Her last name begins with R. Okay. Um, and I don't want to no, put, put it out on the air to, to attract any kind of... Uh, hostile action but i just want to i want to make it clear that this is not debbie arnold you're not trying to imply that debbie arnold is sending out postcards not at all All, the the postcards are are written by all kinds of different volunteers with different names i mean there's more than one person named debbie in the world we had four women at the 
at the uh, forum on Monday, four women in the room named Heather. They should, maybe she, 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 she should use her last name. Um, on the Stolberg line, how can so much housing development be supported by water, which uh, will be needed? We don't have the water to support the development. Uh, the, uh, ground, the water we, issues are different in different parts of the county. In the Paso Basin, we have to get um, more solutions that involve um, potentially blending Nazimiento water with, um, with recycled water. Water recycling is going to be an opportunity in a variety of areas in the county. There's probably some potential for desalinization. And it would be really nice if the Coastal Commission would give us a little more flexibility on that. All right, Susan Funk, we're at the one-minute mark. I remind folks the election is on March 5th. The election will be decided. There's no runoff, so you need to vote. This is District 5 County Supervisor to replace Debbie Arnold. Susan, your website is? Funkforslowco.com. I can give you about 45 seconds for a final thought. Okay. I want folks to remember that I'm telling you exactly how I'll vote and I'll protect your rights to have county maps that the supervisors can't rig for their own advantage, no matter who's in control. And my opponent insists that the the supervisors retain authority to decide how the maps are drawn and will not tell you how she would have voted on that. And this is the job we're running for is to make those decisions. I will th- always be straight with you. Why do you think she won't comment on those? I mean, I've, I'm obviously going to ask her when she gets here, but. Sure. Well, I assume that's because uh, it is a politically awkward thing. She has supporters that like the maps and supporters that didn't like the maps, and she doesn't want to have to offend anybody by telling them how she's going to vote on a difficult issue. But being a supervisor involves being tackling tough issues and taking those votes. We appreciate your time. And again, I apologize for the confusion from yesterday. Understood. Thanks for having me on, Dave. Off we go. We've got news, traffic, weather. Mark Burns for the 6 o'clock hour talks about the music of Brian Wilson and Paul McCartney. Stay with us. The 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kvec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 01111911.